0: I'm
1: Evelyn, and I'm a geoholic. All right, here we are, day two of Trimble Dimensions 2022. Big day. What a day yesterday. Oh, Oh, my
2: gosh. Absolutely crushed it. Um, I was only here half the day, and I am exhausted. I don't know how you did it all (laughs) day. All I know,
1: I I was ready to go to bed at like 9 o'clock last night, which (laughs) in hindsight, I wish I would have. Because it's a little rough, a little a little rough this morning.
2: But it's you know it's the first big day. It's it's always all the people are there. You're having a nice time. Yeah, yep. You meet a lot of new friends, and then before you realize, it's midnight. Oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: All right, we have uh, Rupert with us. Rupert, uh, tell you what, why don't you give us your name, who you work for, and what you do?
3: Hi, well, my name is Rupert Lee. I'm from Brisbane, Australia, originally from South Africa, and. Um, I work for myself. We're a surveying business in southeast Queensland, uh, doing engineering um, surveying on roads, bridges, uh, alignments. And um, yeah, we've been in operation as our business for six years and we took over my predecessor's business, which had been around for a good 35 years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we are trying to keep the tradition alive and supply a good survey. How long have you been surveying? Um, finished university in 2005. Um, got out to pasture 2006, and yep, so that would be a solid 15 years or so. Wow. Um, yep. Live it, breathe it, love it.
1: Love it. Yep, everybody does, right? How did you... So what, like, what made you go to university for surveying?
3: Um, didn't really know what surveying entailed. <laughs> um, it was the fact that growing up in South Africa, um, universities come and spruik their degrees come do Bachelor of Commerce, come do a chartered council, come be a lawyer, come yeah. be a doctor, and um, really didn't want to sit in an office. Um, we had some guy roll in. He did a thing called geomatics. Um, you've got to understand, growing mm-hmm. up in South Africa in the 90s slash early 2000s, yeah. the dollars, uh, the rand is very poor. Um, you live in quite a backwater. And um, this guy worked for Anglo Gold, He rolled in in t-shirt and shorts, do a thing called geomatics, and he said he was earning about 30-odd thousand US dollars tax-free a month, and I thought, this is my ticket out of this place. (laughs) Anyway, um, enrolled, took a gap year, enrolled into surveying, um, got accepted into university, um, didn't think I was going to get into university, but yep, got in, took up the the option, and um, yeah, as the first semesters rolled in, they pulled out the T1 instruments, and we were oh, dragging yeah. chains out in the field yep. and learning learning this this, this tech, and it was a bit of physical in the field and a bit of office, and um, yep. yeah, and that, that, that was fun awesome. and sync for me. So where did you go to university at? Um, Queensland University of Queensland. Technology okay. in, in Brisbane. Yep. Um, they don't do the course anymore. There's <laughs> now another university that does it, okay. uh, USQ, and um, they, they do a good course, apparently. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
1: very cool. So do you, do you know uh, Peter?
3: Yeah, well, I or know. Or know of her, at least? I, I do know of her. We're, we are connected on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn's a big place, and yeah, yeah I'll see the work that she does, Yeah, and um, I like it.
1: You guys have yeah, some uh, conversation to have.
4: Yes, we do. It sounds like. We do. We have the pre-show
1: conversation yes. alluded to the fact that there's further conversation. There is. Yeah.
4: So Queensland has no technical qualifi- um, qualifications. Hmm. Uh, they have the university, and that's it. So there's a lot of people who are working in Queensland that have no qualifications because they don't want to go to university but they may want to get a qualification at yeah. diploma level and that's where I come yeah. in and Reuben and I were talking about because I deliver nationally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. really exciting. Yeah. So in in Australia, and maybe it's different from location to location, but you have to have a degree to become a licensed surveyor. Is that correct? Correct, in, okay.
3: yeah. in Australia. Yeah.
4: Queensland has a little bit of a different system yeah, for their so licensing it, So
3: and in, in Queensland, there's a legislative body called the Surveyor's Board of Queensland. They in, enabled under their Act, the Surveyor's Board of Queensland's role is to regulate and train. Well, yeah, well, sorry, regulate and regulate the, the examination of... Yeah. Um, the, sorry, they don't train, they regulate the training, the the examination of the trained surveyors. So you would sign up with them. You would say, all right, I'm gonna put my hand up to gain further registration to become a registered surveyor once you are a graduate or have that three year postgraduate degree or four years honours degree, whatever it might be. You sign up with them, you do four years of, of, uh, sorry, uh, two years of um, scheduled handing in reports, etc somebody is assessing that external examiners mm-hmm. internal examiners um, you hand that stuff in at the end you sit in front of the a bunch of um, private practice people and maybe some um, educators etc because the board is comprised of about five um, five or six industry people there's tertiary um, education people there's usually a a normal civilian kind of person on the board maybe a lawyer whatever they might be and so that that what constitutes the the board so yeah through that process a person then puts themselves up they'll get assessed they either get the nod or they go no go back and do some more work Um, and then once that person has that um, registered surveyor status they can go off and start to get endorsements so You can go get an engineering endorsement. I've got an engineering endorsement. You go get a cadastral one. Yep, I've got a cadastral one. And then with the cadastral one on the land surveying, the, the creme de la creme, if you want to call it that, hmm. if you decide to become a cadastral surveyor, you need to go then get a consultancy endorsement, which is through another body, right? <laughs> and this is why it's it's such another it's hype. It's so confusing. Yeah, it's, it's, compared to all the other states, the guy in Queensland, it's. It's a lot harder in my opinion. Yeah. Not that it needs to be harder, no. but it, it is a lot harder. So, me being, sorry, sorry, you go, once you become a cadastral surveyor, you cannot practise in land surveying, right? So if somebody were to call me up and say, Rupert, can you come do a boundary survey for me? I could go, I go no, because I don't want to get in trouble with the surveyors board. I could go do it for free. Because you can't charge a fee for it, well, I just don't do them, period, right? Yeah. I would need to hold a consultancy endorsement, and that consultancy endorsement is a process through um, Spatial Industry Business Association. They're a, a quasi industry body, right? They're an industry body, you would say. Um, and they will hand out the consultancy endorsements to go, all right. You know how to build a client, you know about this on that on planning and this, that and the other, and then you're a consultancy surveyor. So an individual consultant can hold a consultancy endorsement, a business can hold a consultancy endorsement, but it's <laughs> so
4: confusing. But
3: yeah. Uh, but it is.
4: And it go and and the time the, the time it takes to, to have all of that. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Like it's bad enough in New South Wales and, and some of the other states, but yeah. Queensland just it just builds and builds and builds.
3: Yeah. So we're on a discussion of people in the industry and us needing to educate guys. And I've I've just put on a guy fresh out of school, ATAR 95 kid, like he's knocking the socks off, did nine months of pharmacy. This kid has been now working for us for like four months. He's he's signed up to do surveying, Mm -hmm. fantastic. And we're just taking any opportunity we can to get a new blood in the game, burying time into training the people up to try to do the role, right? Yep. And if they, we encourage guys to go do the study or do go to the TAFE or something, because without that little bit Surveyor's of paper- Surveyor's
4: Academy. Yeah, or
3: <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Surveyor's Sorry. Academy, which I'm gonna learn more about, right? Because <laughs> um, without these bits of paper, because when we go do these jobs for the government, the government says, we want a registered surveyor, or we want somebody who's got the tickle from the Department of Roads, whatever, or we got the guy who's the associate or this that and the other. Because you have to have prequels to do things. Like you, mm. We're not just gonna have some person who doesn't have prequels, yeah. right? Yeah. Otherwise, the industry is gonna get into hot water. And in the same breath, we've got to um, have 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 people who are endorsed correctly, have people with the correct training, because next minute we're gonna have a cadastral surveyor up there who has no appreciation on title, no appreciation on boundaries are redefined. And then we're going to have boundaries in the wrong spot and it's all going to fall over. <laughs> so we have to have trained people. Yeah. And you're going to train the people.
4: Well, I'll, well, yes, I'll, yeah, so I'll yeah. take the first step and then yeah. they're going to have to go to university yeah. to, to go on and do that stuff. But do you think that process in Queensland is too long? Because I've spoken to people where they've just given up.
3: I think it, I don't want to make it any easier because I'm not trying to protect my position, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely not trying to protect my position. But I don't want to make, it, it is too long, right? They do, when you go sit in that meeting to be able to a cadastral surveyor and you're getting grilled by a guy who's been doing it for 30 years and he finds a hole in you and then he's going to keep going down the hole. Mm-hmm. And then when you start thinking you know what you're talking about and you start waffling and he yep. keeps going down the hole and he's like, you're not ready for this. Because it's not, there's, A, there's not enough cadastral surveys and it's a dying breed and it's, it, it's dying right and i don't know how it's going to change education um we're working on it. <laughs> but but the i it's going to keep the persistence individuals to get it not to make it too hard because it is bloody hard but um, it could be redefined definitely yeah. it could be redefined yeah. because yeah. if if we're not redefining things we're going backwards mm-hmm. right I, everything gets redefined all the time i love that yep the the process could be redefined yes i had a friend who um he got through the process and he went back twice to get the his endorsement and he got knocked back twice and he gave up and i was like guy's name's peter i said peter like good name peter why like you've put so much effort into this and every time he went in they just found holes in him and they uh. just drilled him and he crumbled the poor yeah. bloke, right yeah um I reckon if I went back now I'd probably cr- maybe I'd crumble too maybe I got a good day got the guy on a good day I don't yeah. know but yeah. that's the
4: thing like it's like what we have a competency conversation uh, The sorry the competency um, based learning where you're either competent in everything or you're not competent not yet competent yeah. you, and you're you're never, allowed, but you are never going to be completely competent 100%. in something, you're always learning, yeah. so I don't, it just... And, ah. and, and you've
3: got to put your hand up to say that you're not competent in that, and you don't go delve down that path. And that's one thing that I got drilled during the process, that somebody goes to ask you that question, maybe you still need to be prepared enough to know where to look, yes. to know where to go, and, and if I take seven steps back here... So I've been outside of uni now for 16 years, uni, shmoony, whatever, right? And you go sit next to these other guys and they're like, oh, I learned nothing at university and that's such a joke. I don't use any of that in my day-to-day work. And you're like, no, you rarely did. You learned where to figure things out. Mm, you learned yeah. where to look, right? Problem solving. But also somebody with 30 years life experience who yeah. got on with it, they've also figured it out, right? Yep. So." uni Mooney is just another box ticking exercise to be able to do, do those all those other because whole life is a whole box, box ticking exercise there's no free ride so you've got to do these things whatever that's 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 a side discussion yep so on 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 that process of redefining it yes things need to get readdressed yes nobody's no, going to know the answer people need to know where to look to be able to answer it. so if somebody asks you how are you going to know to solve x y and z oh my first point of call might be that's inside the land title act this is side of this spot over here mm-hmm. and at least i'm going to be able to find mm-hmm. it seven hours later and if you decide to go out there and start to want to play not to sound blasphemy play god in your profession <laughs> you're going to come unstuck very quickly you're not you're going to lose your insurances you're going to lose your clients and you're not going to have a business anymore. And those people get found out very quickly. Yep. They get exposed. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, and so <sighs> it, it, it works itself through. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah,
3: in my...
1: So interesting. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. hearing perspectives from uh, surveyors in other parts of the world that are struggling really with a lot of the same things we're struggling with here, yeah, you right. know? Yeah. And uh, because of those, like, really strict qualifi- or requirements and stuff like that, I personally think it does have a negative effect on the number of surveyors. I don't know how it is in Australia, but, I mean, we have such a massive shortage here. Assuming you guys, yeah. yep. you guys do as well. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, trying to find that happy medium that's going to help yeah. solve that problem, but still churn out competent surveyors, mm-hmm. you know? I think
4: that's the, the thing, is having the people that are going to understand what yeah. they need so that, that that education is needed as you said mm-hmm. to, to know where to go and all yep. that kind of stuff it is yep. it's finding that what is it what luke was saying a two-year mm-hmm. instead of a four-year degree or something yeah you know, yeah, you yeah
1: for think. sure and i'd like what you said about you know focusing on what you are competent to do basically stay in your lane you know if there's a certain kind of survey that you know maybe you have a license to perform that survey but you're really not competent in it it's probably something you should mm. turn down yeah. Recommend somebody who is, you know, 100%. Exactly. versus take yeah. it on and struggle with it and maybe not do it correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, good stuff. No. Rupert, so, appreciate your time. You got something?
4: Yes. I was going to say, you've traveled a long way yep. to get here. <laughs> is this your first time at Dimension?
3: No, I came four years.
1: Ooh, oh, you did? Oh, okay.
3: And um, that's cool. Couldn't miss the opportunity this time. Like, I'm denied for a good month or two. Right. And um, I was thinking, no. Say at work, and then I was like, No, you got so much out of it last time. Got met a lot of people, yeah, yep. Listen to what's coming, mm-hmm. getting prepared yeah. to what's changing, and um, yeah, you you can't miss being around people that are going to inspire you because we all inspire each other, and um, yep. yeah, it's a good environment to be in.
1: Hmm. Yeah, great answer. Good to meet you. Oh, no, good to meet
3: Appreciate you. Appreciate well. the time.
1: This is awesome. I know Pete is happy. <laughs> 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 Thank you. So, it's a common or a recognizable accent there.
3: <laughs>
1: All right. Thanks. Uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Next up we have Jordan. Jordan, if you would just give us a quick self-introduction name, who you're with and what you do.
0: Yeah. Great to be here. Uh, my name is Jordan McRae. I'm the CEO and founder of, uh, Mobilist Labs. Hmm. Uh, we build a, uh, Voice communications uh, platform for extreme environments, oil and gas, construction, manufacturing, and it's all based off of uh, a hardware or software solution, which which includes a bit of cool uh, bi-directional bone conduction technology. You guys just uh, tested out.
1: We did, we did. And I got to tell you, I've never really experienced anything like that before. The whole bone conduction thing is—I've heard of it, but I've never, you know, actually got to hear it. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I'm definitely impressed. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah.
0: yeah it's so, really how cool. did you
1: come up with this idea? You said so, you had a patent,
0: right? Yeah, we have okay. a patent. Um, my background is in uh, um, ocean and space robotics. So I did mm. my studies at MIT and Stanford in in those fields. Yep. Um, for the last 17 years, I've been really interested in how you build uh, complex systems in extreme environments. So space and ocean were, were good examples of that and did sort of I had some, some good opportunities with NASA and Lockheed Martin building these complicated systems. And uh, the last couple of years, uh, I, I kicked off a startup and got really interested in what is the... Um, human interface to these complex systems. And I I really liked the the context of extreme environments um, because it really helps you as an engineer build elegant solutions. And um, I have this whole dramatic uh, origin story that we probably don't have time for, but uh, the the short of it is I almost died uh, scuba diving in Mozambique, um, and and the reason for it was really poor communication. I had faulty equipment and tried to communicate that with hand signs, and the guy, the only guy left in my team that hadn't disappeared in the vis- uh, the, the poor visibility mm. added weight to my BCD. And so I ended up going further down, you know, further down in the ocean wow. um, and had a bunch of different problems. Tried to tell him I was going up. He pulled me back down, like all, everything you can imagine in terms of stupidity in right. the worst situation. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of had an identity crisis where, like, you know, I spent a little time in the Navy. I was super into... Um, uh, ocean conservation, ocean exploration, and I was like, "This is dumb." I'm an engineer. There's got to be a technological solution to being able to communicate uh, underwater. And I got, I got really, uh, a real strong conviction around how, how, how uh, efficient voices we take it for granted. How you know? Again, if I nerd out. Uh, we, we have this concept of information theory in software engineering, like voice communication is super dense in terms of the transfer of information and uh, so I just started on this path of building prototypes to do underwater communication uh, and once I started showing people what I had, they were like I could use this on my oil oil and gas platform, I could use this on my construction site why don't you you know sell this to me now and that's how we got to, to, to where we are today where we've, we've got a hardware software solution embedded into safety helmets and trying to, you know, again extreme environments, definition right. of extreme is a little bit different. We're not talking about space or the ocean, but yeah. noisy, dirty, loud, dangerous uh, environments. And uh, we're having a good time trying to demonstrate that uh, that we can really have an impact in safety and productivity. So, so uh, sure.
2: yeah, why don't you, you give the visual, give everyone the visual of what we just demoed so they can kind of get an idea of what,
1: yeah. I mean, George um, does a good,
2: jo- jo- good job of
1: explaining it. He sure does. He sure does. And um, first of all, I got to say after hearing Jordan speak. I think it's safe to say that the majority of our guests at this conference are smarter, and more interesting than you and I put together <laughs> by far
2: <laughs> I have never been so intimidated by in, in, interesting and smart people oh,
1: in, in, in
0: one span of three days
1: yeah yeah so you know, Jordan why don't you explain you know try to you know give us a picture of what we're looking at here we can yeah. post some pictures as well
0: absolutely yeah we can give you some so the actual tech that we build in terms of the, with the wearable it's uh, it's called Moby one the product for any Star Wars nerds out there you'll get the reference um, <laughs> uh, it's called Moby one it's a, a small you know electronic device Device that clips into the back of a standard safety helmet. So we don't—we're not a smart helmet company. Okay. Uh, this is a standard MSA helmet. It goes, uh, clips into the back of the ratchet in the back, and then there's these two small square modules that sit on the side of that harness, and they sit right below the ear. That's the mastoid bone of your head. And uh, that's where all the magic happens. That's the two-way bone conduction that's uh, transmitting vibration into your skull and also detecting any vibrations that coming from your voice um, um, uh, while you speak. And so it acts both as a microphone and a, uh, a speaker at the same time. And that's, that's where we really focused our, our uh, intellectual property on. So correct me if I'm wrong. I think I've seen
1: people, like in the medical field, like they have the device that like goes into that bone. And I think that's for, is it like a hearing aid thing or is it what? Yeah. Okay.
0: Same technology. Same, exact same technology. So we didn't invent bone conduction. Bone conduction is a, is a, um, is a, is a natural phenomenon. Most people don't realize it, but you know, you guys just had this wow moment of, of using it. You've experienced bone conduction your entire life. You just huh. didn't realize it. And it's the reason if I tell you this, you'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. If you put your fingers in your ear and start talking, you can hear yourself. You right. just can't hear yeah. everything else. Around. That's bone conduction. And in fact, when we hear ourselves speak, It's not through the the voice going out of our mouths into the air, into our ears. It's through the vibration through our our jaw up to our skull and our inner ear is attached to our skull and that's how we detect our own voice. And so this this answers, you guys will appreciate this the most. um, This answers the age-old question, why is it when I hear uh, a recording of my voice, I don't think I sound the way that I think I sound. Right. Yeah. It, particularly yeah. me. I think I've got this sexy deep voice, and I hear, I'll hear this podcast. and I'm like, why do I still sound like I'm 16? My voice is so. <laughs> well, I can do so some high. editing to help you out there, <laughs>
2: Jordan. Yeah, get, get 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 you some deep some deep tones.
0: And the the answer is it's bone conduction. Yeah, we, sure. like bone conduction acts like a low pass filter, so it's clipping off those high frequencies. So we hear deep, sexy, uh, you know, Mary, ba- uh, you know, Barry White. And everyone else hears, you know, prepubescent. uh, Oh, man, God, it's funny. So can you apply this, is it just for a hard
1: hat? Like, can you put it on a baseball cap, or can you put it on whatever
0: we have i mean it requires a little bit of design work so we focus mostly on safety helmets we have a couple of different variations one is a, a really good uh, um uh just a flexible band so you, it's sort of helmet free we've done some work with the uk army um uh, for those applications there's another variation we put it in um uh, what do you call them um it's basically um baseball caps with a little bit of protection I, i'm forgetting the name right now but uh, uh, yeah you can you can definitely i mean like i said the core technology is this, this small box that can fit pretty much anywhere, but we've decided to focus on safety helmets for construction and, and, yeah. and oil and gas. You should have
1: been on like shark tank or something with like this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well is is that how underwater communication should work or how does it work now? Like I've always wondered this of I've I've never scooped before, so I'm assuming either. there's a there's a head, you know, you've got something in your ears, or how do you communicate underwater currently?
0: There's not with hand signs. Like when you scuba dive, mo- the majority of communication is some simple uh, sign language to try and try and communicate. There's some advanced systems that use um, ultrasound waves to transmit information, and then you might have you have to have a full face mask. And then you run into trouble there because the whole reason I got into bone conduction is that when you dive, you need to you need to be able to equalize as you go down in depth. So you can't have anything in or over your ears, and that's what kind of gave me permission uh, okay. to invent. Because I asked myself, like, if I'm going to solve this, and I'm really focused on voice, how am I going to hear without my ears? And that's that's how we got to bone conduction. Interesting. So, how big is your company? We're about um, we're about. 20 now, based in London. Um, We had a really, I mean, the reason why we're here, we had some really early success integrating uh, into the Trimble XR10, the HoloLens 2, so we're the exclusive audio solution for that technology. Um, Again, sort of really good fit for purpose if you're in a noisy environment with this hands-free, mixed reality, super, you know, if you guys have played with that at all. I've actually
1: had a chance to play with it. It Amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it takes a little getting used to, you know, with your hands out in front of you and
1: stuff. But it's super cool.
0: Yeah. And I mean, where we want to go is for that type of futuristic, I mean, the foundation of what we're trying to do is just create really clear, um, safe, reliable communication, regardless of the environment. Um, And then, uh, but at the same time, our infrastructure doesn't care if you're a human or a voice-enabled intelligence on the other end. So what that means is a lot of these complicated, you know, you guys have probably heard from some really great people building some really amazing technologies. I heard even just in the survey sort of field, being able to do sort of voice assistant or voice command type controls, that's that's everywhere these days. Their fundamental problem is garbage in, garbage out. Mm. If the voice signal is really bad, then it's really hard to understand, even for a machine, it's really hard to understand. So we really wanna kind of fill that gap of providing in-field voice communications, either for human-to-human collaboration, or if you wanna, you know, Get a feedback on what some sensor reading is, or if you want to control a camera or control a piece of equipment without you know having to tap on a screen, having that voice interface that's really effective in the field is is, is an area that we're exploring.
2: Yeah, I just see the the safety Im- impact the most. Of mm. yeah, usually it's that noisy environment. You you read all the literature. You're supposed to be wearing ear protection, right. but then guys need to be talking to each other, so it's constantly, do I take it out? Do yep. I okay well I'll just not worry about it since I it's you know it's the lesser of two. I'd rather be in communication than have ear protection. Yeah. And this kind of solves both. Yeah. You can protect your ears and still be able, especially if you're the guy on the ground and then there's a guy in a big excavator, yeah. which is very noisy, yeah. and you guys can still
0: be communicating while protecting your ears. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly it. Like when people talk about health and safety, they are two distinct things, right? Like one of the number one Causes of accidents on the safety side is like falling from height or trips and things like that. Right. But on the health side, those are those long sort exactly. of duration yeah. thing. And and uh, hearing loss is a big yep. one with respect to health, and it's because of exactly what you just described. This choice that they have to make on an everyday basis of do I stay in, in touch with my team or do I expose myself to this really uh, noisy noisy environment. So, is this not like a specific frequency or something? It's so our device is Bluetooth, so that means it's compatible with okay. any kind of uh, uh, handheld device, laptops, field tablets, mm-hmm. uh, smartphones, even walkie-talkies, and then and then. The frequency you're using to transmit data from one point to another yeah. is just dependent upon what device you connect to. So, if you use um, a, a smartphone, then you're, you're broadcasting across five G Wi-Fi, so you can communicate across you know one from one side of the planet to the other if you've got a good connection, right? Um, or if you're connected to a walkie-talkie, then then you can be off totally offline and you're, you're communicating a sort of typical simplex sort of signal from point to point five miles or something like that. It's crazy. So
1: I have a challenge for you then. Yeah. You have to invent something that communicates thoughts. Yeah. So you don't even have to speak. <laughs> Just your thought is communicated. Like I'm thinking Sean's a dick right now. Yeah, sure. And I would, I would love for him to be able to know that. Well, I, I do.
2: But I could just see it in your that's, face. That's, that's that's the difference.
0: That's a tough challenge, but but I just observed that as you said that there was there was a, there was a distinct facial expression. Yes, exactly. So if you always yeah. have that facial uh-huh. expression, maybe we can detect that. There's exactly. a little bit of vibration yeah, can, going on there. That's right. Yeah. There's <laughs> movement it, there that is not in your mouth. If yes. we can just get a lot of Sean's a dick data.
2: <laughs> well, stick around this room for a little while, and I generate some more. But. Kim brings up a good point, and I'm very curious. You know, this is amazing stuff that you've gotten to this point. But I have to ask, where do you see it going, and what are the applications that aren't realized right now? But you know, what's your vision Absolutely. going forward? Absolutely. You know, if you can pull thoughts out, that'd be great. But I'm guessing that might not be on the five-year plan.
0: Not yet. No. Yeah, we're not. We're not quite trying to sort of compete with Neuralink and things Neuralink like that. They, like they're that. and. and Elon sounds like he's got his hands full at the moment anyway, so. Sure. um, um, Yeah, I mean, it's a really great question. I think where we want to position ourselves. So here's what I think. I think we're primed for the next platform, right? Like the same way that we went from, you know, the PC to the the smartphone, and then just a bigger smartphone in terms of tablets, and everyone's waiting for what that next platform is. And and one of the the big um, sort of contenders is mixed reality. Um, This ability, you know, if we can get it smaller, you know, smaller and and more efficient, um, having basically and and the way that I describe that is we've kind of taken the the computing power from the table to your pocket. And what mixed reality represents is taking that computer one more step up to your head as close Mm -hmm. to your brain as possible. And that's what the trend has been. Right. Like taking computing. Um, as close to your brain as possible. And we're just taking a couple of different steps in that direction. And when we get there, I think voice and voice interface is gonna be a critical aspect to that platform because you no longer have that tactile interface, you no longer have, it's all visual hand gestures and voice. And so that's got to be super, super efficient, right? right? So we want to okay. position Mobilist Labs to be the gateway between those endpoints in terms of voice communication. So, like I said, it can be human collaboration, uh, one person to the other, mm-hmm. or it can be, um, or it can be talking to a, a voice-enabled intelligence. And then when you have that, there's all kinds of things that just open up, right? Like being able, me being able to communicate, just you know, speak in English. Um, because the voice signal is super clear, I can use solutions that exist today to transcribe that to text that now makes that audio completely searchable. So if I wanna go back and ask and and do a query on what we discussed, Mm -hmm. I can go to the second in the conversation um, and pull out that word. Then I can translate that to Spanish Directly, so that that audio now is reproduced in Spanish to everyone that wants to absorb that content in a different language. Like it's all about the quality of the base signal, the source signal. Mm. Um, and one last one, since you guys are allowing me to go crazy, it's not quite reading, um, reading, you know, people's thoughts. But I've, up until now, I've described our bone conduction microphone as a microphone because we're particularly interested in voice. But it's really a, a vibration sensor. So at the same time that I'm capturing voice, I'm capturing the rate of breathing. Because it's on my head, we get a faint signal of the heart rate. So we're not quite there yet. But I think we can start to do some interesting things on biometrics, start understanding mm-hmm. a little bit about fatigue, stress, whether or not people are on a... And we don't want to be you know, a medical device company quite yet, but just the idea of are you in the right state of mind to turn on that tractor? Are you in the right state of mind to make that decision you're about to make? Those are the types of things that we want to get, even just analyzing the voice signal itself. We know when we're stressed. Like we know when someone's a little bit off, right? Just by analyzing the way that they're talking. And that's what I meant by that information dense aspect of voice, being able to have that clear enough signal so that our our machine learning algorithms can start to look at that. those are some of the areas that we really wanna go into. Pretty amazing. What about for like uh,
1: video gaming? Yeah. I can see there being an application there for sure.
0: I can yeah yeah absolutely I can see that I, I have to be honest um, I don't get to do much video gaming these days. <laughs> gaming. Like, yeah. I don't know where we are. World
2: application video gaming like I don't know. You wouldn't need a microphone.
0: Yeah. Thing you know you just have that. Yeah, cool. it's true actually someone someone mentioned for um, uh, for musicians and things like that as well being yeah. able to have really good clear audio in, in noisy environments and things. Yeah. Um, no, there's 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 some pretty there's some pretty cool use cases that pop up. Um, um, you know, uh, yeah. It's all about focus for us at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Man, oh man,
1: congratulations! This amazing technology, Thank you. super cool. So yep. glad we had a chance to talk. Anything Absolutely. else
0: you want to get out there? No, I'm just happy to be here. And uh, yeah, if, if uh, I mean, the how, do, how do if, if anyone's interested, how do they find or get some more information? So you can shoot me an email, Jordan at Mobilis Labs, M O B I L U S. LABS.com. Go to our website, Um, www.mobilislabs.com. I would love to hear more. I I came over really because I wanted to start a conversation in a a sector, in areas that we are not Um, fully active in yet but I know that there's definitely some use cases and so I really want to start a conversation about where this could add value today um, in some of these in some of these environments that um, that we haven't been able to to really play in yet so I
2: just think mining is the immediate one that comes to mind just because safety is a huge concern it's always a noisy environment there's more hazards than anywhere else and communication is the most important yeah Yeah, absolutely
1: All right. Well, thanks again, Jordan. Yeah, George. thank you. Appreciate it. I'm going to continue to collect the data about Shauna's dick. I will provide it to you. (laughs) Send it over. You can analyze that. The
0: more, the better, actually. (laughs) All right. Take care, man. All right. We have uh,
1: Michelle with us. Michelle, quick uh, introduction. Just tell us your name, uh, what you do, who you work
5: for. Um, I'm Michelle Blitzers. I am the chief executive officer at the Association of Consulting Surveyors in Australia. How do you say your last name? Blitzovs. Blitzovs.
1: Yeah. How is it spelled?
5: B l i c a v s. Okay.
1: That's uh, that's not what I I would say. It's a tricky one. That's a tricky one for sure. So tell us a little more about exactly what you do and like what you're doing with your organization.
5: Yes, so we're a member association. We look after the businesses in surveying across Australia. We have uh, around about 500 member firms who are all involved in the business of surveying and we provide support services for them in their business. We do uh, quite a bit of training. We do some advocacy. (laughs) Uh, Our goal is to build thriving surveying businesses across Australia.
1: I love that. I love that. Oh, this is a great, great th- yeah. great topic this for, for our audience. This is good because historically, you know, stereotypically, surveyors are like the worst business people on the planet.
5: No. Yeah. Well, that, that, really? That's not really their fault. They go to university <laughs> or, you know, some technical college, and they learn how to do surveying because you know they wanted to become a surveyor and so they go into surveying and then we sort of have this expectation in the profession that once you reach licensing or registration you'll automatically go on and run the business but nobody's ever taught them or trained them how to run the business so we've really taken that on board and we as the association teach them or help them uh, better understand current business principles, business thinking Mm. and teach them how to work with people, work with money, work with clients, Mm -hmm. understand that they're in the sales business and uh, help them build stronger businesses.
2: You mentioned current business practices. Mm. Uh, I think that's an important, can you talk a little bit more about maybe what has changed in the last 20 years? I mean, have a lot of let's call them old surveyors that are probably still not very good business people. So what's new?
5: Yeah I mean I've taught management principles at various universities in my history and a lot of the textbooks still talk about you know PMQ, and they talk about manufacturing, and they come out of the days of Toyota, and the 1970s, just to be clear, which, you know, was a good year for those of us who were born in the 70s, Uh, however, (laughs) business practices have moved on, particularly when it comes to people and culture, and uh, looking after, you know, our workforce, so a lot of the, we we use a lot of Patrick Lencioni's material, Uh, we're really big fans of his new work, The Working Genius, and we're (laughs) teaching people how to work in teams. Um, particularly, I've just done a roadshow of that around the state of New South Wales. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, that, that's really cur- current practice. We use a lot of Donald Miller's material on marketing and sales, mm. which has been really good. So really just current thinking. Uh, Michael Gerber's The E-Myth is one of our favourite texts. Surveyors read that and they go, oh, I'm a technician and they don't mean a surveying technician. Hmm. Uh, you know, they realize how much they need to really focus on the business side of what they do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you have a survey background before you got into this?
5: No. So I mm-hmm. uh, No, I uh, have some experience in the property sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a local government counselor. Okay. I don't know what you call them here, but uh, uh, for six years. So had a little bit to do with property development from that perspective. We owned a lot of land as a local council uh, and we sold it and we developed it and so on. Uh, So I had a lot, well actually we approved the land zonings, right? Surveyors have a lot to do with local councils. Uh, And so I understood it from that side of the fence. So getting into surveying, um, I really just travelled around and met with a whole lot of surveyors. That's pretty much what I do all the time, travel around the country and talk to surveyors and they've taught me everything I know.
1: So interesting. So are they, when you meet with surveyors, are they welcome to the advice that you're providing or do surveyors like, "Ah, I don't need that. You know, I'm making money. That's all that matters.
5: Uh, Well, Mm. not a lot of them are making money. (laughs) Depends. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Uh, No, I I think they're open to new thoughts and thinking generally speaking there are the older surveyors that have been doing it for a lot of years that are like yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm good here thanks and that's fine but we do have an emerging crew coming through that's sort of how we got started with our business Academy uh, because we had all these guys who got their license or registration and went out and set up their own business and they were like oh hang on this is a bit different to what I thought and so surveyors are very good at mentoring and surveyors teach surveyors how to do surveying uh, but they also learn The business side from that surveyor who taught them surveying and if that surveyor wasn't very good at the business then the mentee is also not very good at business Mm -hmm. Uh, and so they're kind of who the ones we're going after but what we're seeing now is the second tier of leaders within businesses coming through our business academy and learning what it is that they need to know if they're going to sign up to partnership or buy shares or step into the business in some form or other then they really need to uh, start getting aware of what 's happening on the business side, and a lot of them you know the, the pricing model is not shared amongst others within the business. Mm. you know the business owner holds that very very tightly, and so sharing out how do we do a quote and And actually, did we make money on that job, rather than just looking at the profit and loss at the end of the month and saying, did we make money? Mm. But are we actually Mm -hmm. making money on individual jobs, and which jobs make us more money? And We we talk about the different kinds of survey work as products, you know, there's all sorts of different products within surveying, we don't think about it like that. So just getting their heads around that can often be a bit eye-opening for particularly the younger ones coming through.
2: So, what uh, in, in your experience, you know, not from a survey background, but helping businesses, on, well, our survey businesses on the business side, what would you say is one of the challenges of this type of work? I mean, it's heavy in labor. I mean, we're 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 a labor-intensive business. So, what are the challenges in running a business like that?
5: Well, the, one of the biggest challenges right now, certainly on our side of the world, is finding staff, mm-hmm. uh, having enough people to do the work. Um, You know, I had an email from a surveyor this morning saying I need two more surveyors. I'm like, good luck. Everybody needs two more surveyors. I don't know where you're going to find them from. Um, Although I do get a lot of people hitting me up on LinkedIn saying could I get them a job. Uh, Occasionally I can do that, but not often. Mm. From usually other parts of the world, you know. Uh, And we have a priority uh, migration. So we can bring them in from overseas, in any country in the world actually, hello everybody listening, if you'd like to come and be a surveyor in Australia, look me up, we'll we'll get you connected, don't you worry. Uh, But certainly the skill shortage is one of the biggest problems, and we as an association do research into this, we've engaged an economic firm that actually uh, try to help us understand what is the skill shortage and what is the supply, so how many surveyors are we going to need over the next five to ten years. Do
2: you you know that number?
5: Uh, well, right now we're at about 1,800. We need 1,800 more. But that's the last survey was done in um, uh, 2018, so okay. pre-COVID. So things have changed dramatically. So we're doing the research now. I do know from the initial uh, data that's come out, we've increased our numbers from 12,000 to 15,000 surveyors.
2: That's amazing. Which
5: I'm not quite sure where those extra 3,000 came from, but apparently we (coughs) have that. But, of course, we know that when there's a crisis, funding and finance goes straight into infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And so... Whilst we've increased the number, the need has also grown exponentially. Uh, we're okay. building airports, we're building bridges, we're building tunnels, uh, and we can't, as well as you know, houses, all the usual stuff that we do, and so we just can't get enough for what we need. So I don't actually know what the gap is yet, but I'll know early next year. So check it out. Okay, all
2: then. right. Yeah. Well, well I just think that. it's interesting. We're at a we're at a conference. It's all about new technology and all, all about automation and. Everything we still hear and experience is the need for physical body surveyors is still going up.
5: Yeah, and uh, we, we just recently, on the road show that I did, we did a whole session on how to attract and retain staff. Because one of the problems that we have is when we attract them into the profession, we don't retain them. Mm. Because <laughs> when we get out, well, when we get graduates in, we send them out, we say, yeah, go bash some pegs in the ground for, you know a year or so, and then come back and we'll give you some. But right. surveying's got so much variety in the opportunities, so much great technology that you can use and do, and what do people do? They send them out to do the boring stuff. You've got to make sure that you can the <laughs> graduates and young guys coming through, and girls. You know, that variety of work that's available. You know, let them use a drone, let them use a laser scanner, show them how point clouds, mm-hmm. let them do the analysis. I mean, surveyor's really going to be the data analyst in the future. Uh, we should be the holders of all of that information. We should, we're the experts in land, we're the expert problem solvers, we need to to make sure that the world understands that that's what we are. Right. So we go into yeah. schools and we're trying to encourage kids to choose a career in Surveying. We've just placed 60 kids in work experience in Sydney alone this wow. sh- uh, in these last six months. So we just need to get more in that space uh, and get into schools. We've, we've got a fabulous Surveying Careers new website and we're really attracting kids. What I need is for the employers to understand that when they get these kids in, They need to show them the variety that's available in the career. They can go into GIS. They can go into whatever area within surveying that they like. But let's keep them in surveying and let's not lose them out the other end.
2: Mm -hmm. So you're saying the tried and true model of, okay, you want to be a surveyor. There's great stuff to do. Go pound stakes for a a year and come back to me. That's not a good model.
5: That is not a good model. Ah, You will lose them. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) So...
1: The businesses that you talk to, the ones that are successful, what are they doing well? Uh, that's a great question.
5: Yeah. Uh, well, I think they're looking after their people well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they provide that flexibility. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got a lot more that are working from home these days. You know, they're in the office, they're in the field. Uh, they have they have good team focus, good team sessions. I think mm-hmm. uh, good structure around, and and I think they let their young people be themselves. Uh, I think that's really important. You know, we're all individuals and mm. we need to let them work in their own space and, and what works well with them. So I think certainly it's around the people part that mm. that's what makes it successful. Yep. Um, and ensuring that they're not bored. Yeah. Not that surveying's ever boring. Heaven forbid. Never. <laughs> Never. Uh, uh, Unless you're bashing in pigs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do they call them? Steaks over here. Yeah. It's like, what, you kill vampires with steaks. Is that, yeah. oh, <laughs> it's a pig. I never We that. put a peg in
4: the ground and then we put a stake in next to it. Oh. No, actually, the, their stakes are long and you, you're talking
5: about the long stakes? No, the short stakes. Like the hub. Okay, yeah, no. Okay. We only have one side of a peg now. Anyway, in the new regulations coming out. Sorry, so side track. <laughs> on,
1: the, on the flip side, uh-huh. the businesses that you, that you meet and come across that aren't doing
2: things very mm-hmm. well. So. What you said is in, in, new, in number. There, there's quite a few, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's, That's more common than.
5: I mean 70% of our businesses in Australia are small businesses employing less than mm-hmm. 20 people.
2: Oh wow, okay.
5: So a lot smaller businesses. And we have a lot of one man bands like they surf 3 days a week and they survey 3 days a week. Mm. What a lot. It's it's the life in Australia. Just anybody move. again you want to come to Australia <laughs> surf 3 days a There's week. There's work. There's work for you especially on the north coast of New South Wales and southern Queensland.
2: Ah, uh, okay. Oh yeah.
5: and I can get you a job in Townsville anybody. He's the guy who said this morning so? Two surveyors, Salt sort and of Townsville. Oh,
1: man, that's funny. Um, so explain the business model. I mean, are these companies, are they subscribers? Are they members? What yeah. does that look like? Yeah,
5: it's a membership model, and a membership the firm count. joins. We have uh, four or five different levels, depending on which sort of state you're in, uh, as to what that looks like, all the way up from emerging. So we have sort of the guys that have just got out, uh, we even have a try before you buy. We have an introductory model, right? <laughs> so try us any time during the year for $500, right? That's nothing, 500 bucks. Yeah, Come
2: well, on. depending on uh, if you're a successful business or not. but No, yes. <laughs> no, if any surveyor
5: can afford $500. I'm telling you, anybody. And so basically we say, right, sign your firm up for, for that. It goes all the way up to, you know, A higher number. Uh, Platinum level. Platinum level, that's right. uh, For the very, very large firms. But we cover all of the staff within the firm. So because we represent the business... We cover your surveyors, your engineers, your planners, whoever else you've got. We've got firms with landscape architects. Mm. You know, Whoever you've got in the firm, we will look after them from the business side. So coming to our business academy is not just the surveyors, but we get engineers, we get planners, um, we get the admin, marketing, whoever's in the business that wants to come and learn more about business, running a surveying business, mm. come along to our business academy where we teach them theory and we teach them you know, they get to hear real on the ground from some of our more successful surveying firms.
2: Do you actually do uh, like direct consulting for, for any of these, like actually get into the books a little bit and yeah, kind of ha- yeah. help them integrate and...
5: So for our uh, Business Academy graduates, we offer coaching. Okay. So one of the things that we recommend actually to all surveying businesses is that they should have a business coach. and. Uh, there's a lot of business coaches out there and there are some good ones and then there are some not so good ones. Mm. I've gone into firms who've told me that they've had a business coach for 10 years. I've said, great, let's have a look at your strategic plan. And they said, oh no, we don't have one of those. I'm like, well, you don't have a very good coach. Uh, So everybody should have a strategy a personal strategy and a business strategy hmm. just saying um, so we we do coaching afterwards we do a full day we don't do a lot of business coaching is like yeah every week or every month are you kidding so guys are way too busy for that stuff so we do like one day a month one one day a quarter okay like that's mm-hmm. that's reasonable you sure. can commit that to working on your business not always in your business and so the coaching has really worked we've seen Just about every firm, only one firm hasn't done very well in the coaching, and that's because they didn't do what they were told. Uh, But everybody else who has done what they've told have pretty much doubled their businesses. Really? So it's been really great. They've expanded. They've bought other businesses. They've managed to get staff. They're keeping staff. They're doing really, really well.
2: I, uh, I love the idea of a business coach. I think that is, especially when you, as you say, 70% of businesses are 20 people and less. Like yeah. that's exactly who needs a coach. That's just sure. kind of not in the weeds at all, just helping guide. I
6: think that's yeah. amazing.
5: Yeah, it's it's really it's really great. And they, they are succeeding at it. And we get, you know, we just had a, a young guy who came through the academy, and he's earmarked to take over from an older surveyor who wants to retire in the next five years. And and his young guy went back to the office and said, yeah, we need to change some things around here or else I'm not going to take over. Uh And so the older surveyor, who's my member, you know, in the firm, he he rings me and says, OK, I think we need you. So, you know, we're going up. We're going to spend a couple of days with them. We're going to figure out what it is they need to do. And this is a guy, he's a fabulous, fabulous guy, you know, one of of the great surveyors that we have, and, uh, you know, but he's got his office out the back of his house. Yep. Now, that's great. That's been fabulous for him for the 10, 15 years that he's been running Mm -hmm. and doing his own thing, but you can't hand that over to somebody else.
2: Right. So, for
5: all of you surveyors that run your surveying business from your office, uh, which is in your house, or from the back of your car, (laughs) you might need something more if you plan to succession out.
1: Well on that note, is have you ever thought about taking this model and you know introducing it to other countries, I guess? Like there's nothing that I'm aware of in the United States like what you are offering. Has there been any thoughts about, you know, maybe expanding it?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We we would love to. I mean, we've taken it, we started it in New South Wales. We've now taken it uh, to Victoria and Queensland. So we have been able to expand it. I'm talking to New Zealand Mm. about how we can offer it there. Obviously, that's a bit closer. Uh, But we would love to take it anywhere in the world, really. We Mm. think that it's a model and it can be expanded. It's six modules that can be delivered in any shape or form. So it could be delivered over three days in another country, um, you know, in various states. Could be delivered anywhere uh, i'm hoping to present it at the canadian conference next year
7: nice. uh, and
5: possibly at fig as well so oh, cool. you know, re- really looking to expand and talk more about what we're doing in the business side mm-hmm. but very very open to offers and suggestions about how we might deliver it in other countries and in other ways and so the idea is that we go in and we we deliver it and train them up and find the good. The, the challenge is you've got to find the good people that can because i just share I share the the principles, the key principles and knowledge, but I need surveyors to talk about well, and this is how it works on the ground. Mm. And finding those good business people in other areas that I'm not as familiar with will mm-hmm. be the challenge for me. I've got to find the really, who, are, who are the good who are the good businesses. So if we were to bring it here, one of you'd have to tell me who are the good businesses.
1: We can help you out with that do
5: you have <laughs> awards for like because we have business awards in surveying so mm. we offer an award for the best business mm-hmm. or we call it consultancy excellence is what we call it and so i know who to go to because i know this the businesses that have won yep. consultancy excellence awards yep. and they're the ones who usually do the presentation so mm. that's it's how great I
1: marketing run. for them I'd like to yeah. be that
2: award winner
5: yeah it is for sure yeah, well what's is. the
2: criteria for that
5: usually it's actually around their people so it's not about how good survey so this is not about how good a surveyor they are because all my members are fabulous surveyors right they're all equal I don't love any of them more than any others I have no favorites when it comes to surveyors right but some of them are better at business than others and so that's what we're measuring when it comes to the awards and we're acknowledging those who achieve uh, better things when it comes to looking after staff Uh, what they're doing around work health and safety, how much they give back to the profession. Mm. We think a good business gives back to the profession, is doing some stuff maybe in their local community, you know, those sorts of things. Um, Some of the stuff I hear about Trent Keenan doing, you know, from one of his presentations yesterday, Mm. you know, I think those sorts of things are the sorts of Mm. ideals that we're looking for in good, good business leaders. And, you know, if I talk to any of the staff of their firms who are winning Excellence Awards, it's their staff are happy, their staff are staying, yeah. their staff are not leaving, their yeah. staff are growing, they're moving on up to higher positions within the organisation. Right. They're, well, the, they're it,
4: the companies that are putting their students through the Surveyor's Academy. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: yeah. At full fee paying. At full fee. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: I um, think if there was a Surveying Business Leader Award, Trent Keenan would would yeah. definitely be there. Yeah, no He might question. have to be the
4: one to, to let...
5: To, to actually do it and yeah. let somebody else
4: have
2: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have
4: exactly.
5: But I met, I met with some great guys up in Maryland um, yeah. earlier oh, yeah. in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, right. uh, Craig and Rogers, right? Uh, fabulous, fabulous firm up there. You know, they've been great. They let one of their young guys come to Australia. He met me. That's kind of how I got connected over here. Okay. Uh, and so he came and met my office and had a look at what we were doing around the careers program and getting um, careers into schools. And you know, now they're doing stuff up there. So yeah. you know, I know that there are fabulous firms all over the country. Um, We'd love to meet them all and, and try to connect. So, you know, again, reach out to me on LinkedIn if you'd like. Uh, you'll find us at the Association of Consulting Surveyors on LinkedIn, uh, or you can look me up if you can spell my last name. Or say it. <laughs> or say it. <laughs>
1: um, what, what is the website for National Surveyors?
5: Yeah, so consultingsurveyors.com.au yep. is the uh, main website to get our national company.
1: Got it, got it. Uh, what are you most excited about moving forward next five years?
5: Uh, I'm excited about uh, consolidation within our industry. I think that uh, when I... have been here five years now, I've been working with the Mm. association. So when I started five years ago, surveyors were very good at knowing what was happening within their state. Uh, What we've been able to do is really have them look beyond their own state border now, and we have a great national conference that a lot of people come to. And now, you know, I've brought a few of them over here with me to Vegas. Mm. And so they're now looking beyond their... You know, so they've gone state to national, now thinking international. I'm taking a group to New Zealand, hopefully to Canada with me. So, anywhere that I'm going, I want to take people with me because it just broadens their horizon and lets them look at, you know, the bigger picture. Because I think the problems that we face in surveying are the same everywhere. Uh, We've been able to be really strong advocates for the profession and so we're really looking to raise the profile of surveying. We're in the middle of a PR campaign right now in Australia and we're hoping to get a number of news stories and actually get the word and the important role that surveyors play in the community and the economy. Uh, Our tagline is surveyors vital to Australia's development Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know we want to take that and we want surveyors to be known. Uh, I want them to you know when somebody says I'm a surveyor they go oh yeah you've got the coolest job yeah. or that's the coolest profession and, and I wouldn't own my two million dollar house and know that it's on the right block if it wasn't for you yeah. so you're worth the five thousand dollars that I paid for that identification survey Yeah. wouldn't that be nice that be would fantastic. be fantastic <laughs> <laughs> maybe would six thousand nice. anyway
1: <laughs> alright well uh, that's about it that's all I got yeah. yeah no that was great anything else Michelle you want to get out there
5: no, just, uh, you know, we're, we're here. We'd love to connect with anybody around the world. And uh, we do a fabulous podcast. We all listen to it. And thanks for interviewing a few Aussies. Thank you so much. Absolutely.
1: Is this a good time to do your live uh, uh, employee review?
5: For, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Pina? that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, for those of you okay. who don't know, uh, who've been listening to the podcast for some time, you're very familiar with Peter Cox. Uh, Peter Cox is my employee. That's right, I'm her boss. Uh, and so, you know, we're very happy to release her to this podcast, mostly because it happens after hours, <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> she can do it as that. much as she likes in her night times, so uh. I, I. It's like she's teaching Funny. those students during the day, uh, yeah. and so she's fabulous, and we love her, and she's a a real blessing to our whole community and uh, they love her across Australia and um, I'm really pleased that she's there because uh, she's training up that next generation, that's what we need yep.
2: mm. Good stuff. I'll, I'll take that as a positive employee review. That was
5: pretty good oh. Yeah, I'll yeah. take it
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I know when I'm in trouble <laughs> I'm
4: sure you do
1: <laughs> Alright, well thank you, Michelle, appreciate your time Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me okay this is gonna be a lot of fun i have a feeling i have a feeling as well the two best accents in the room <laughs> oh easily easily and yeah. we've, we've
2: encountered a lot of accents yeah. today so
1: so we have nile and we have kai with us and we're gonna let you guys do just brief self-introduction uh name who you're with what you do and uh kai i'm gonna let you go first
6: okay yeah so my name is kai Dubert. um i'm from germany originally i'm a a surveyor, second-generation surveyor, and hmm. but at the moment I'm the uh, the CEO of uh, Compass BMS, which is a fully integrated business management system for um, for surveyors, hmm. made by surveyors to manage your whole business and um, yeah save save money with that. It's really suited for yeah. for surveying businesses. Well,
1: we're going to get into that here in just a minute. Cool. Uh, Nile, go ahead.
7: Yeah, hello, N- Nile Murphy. So I'm the group CEO of Murphy Geospatial. Um, I'm also a second-generation surveyor. Hmm. Wow. Uh, Mur- Murphy Geospatial are the largest geospatial company operating across Ireland and the UK. Wow. We've a, a team of about 375 professionals. Oh wow, interesting!
1: So, how are, you guys are in your booth together? What is your tie to Compass?
7: Yeah, so. Um, Like Kai mentioned, uh, he's here promoting uh, Compass Mm -hmm. and uh, basically Compass started in Murphy Geospatial back uh, back about 15 years ago, uh, where we realized that the company was growing and we needed a system that was going to be able to support the business. Mm. And at that time, I I looked at the market to see what was available and I struggled to find something that specifically suited geospatial companies because, let's face it, we are a bit different, I think. Uh, oh yes, and, and kind of <laughs> dynamic in how what we do, and always very very uh, kind yeah. of reactive. Um, so at that time, we started to develop our own system, mm. and it's kind of built from there. And Kai has come on in the last few years and really supercharged nice. it.
1: So how did you guys <laughs> meet?
7: Um, well, I I joined
6: Murphy Geosp- oh, okay. Geospatial spatial around yeah. um, ten years ago, yeah, or something like that. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I joined in the in the UK office. Uh, was still pretty small um, outfit at the time and yeah I was general manager and then managing director and build up the company and yeah as Nile outlines like we um, we developed Compass at the time specifically to help us grow and, and manage the time I was very much involved in that I have software background as well yeah so um, yeah while we while we were managing and growing the company we developed the, um, the system
1: interesting so at what point so y- y- like you guys literally developed this software and you so you've done the coding and programming whatever to address the needs that you guys had at what point were you like you know what it's time to release the hounds and make this available to everybody
6: well that was that was about um, about two and a half years ago okay. i would say um, we've well we, we really reached a really good size in the uk as well and we we looked around and saw that there was still nothing nothing else on the market like Mm. this and um decided then that i'll i'll be moving over and just concentrating (coughs) on uh, working on compass and trying trying to bring it to market and yeah we haven't we haven't really done that much sales or marketing Mm. uh, since then we only really started let's uh, say beginning of this year to do a bit more but um, we have already like good clients in the US and um, yeah, it's it's going well. And obviously, uh, Dimensions was, was really good. I bet. I bet.
2: So uh, I'm curious because I'm re- <laughs> really excited about this just for what I, what I usually do. But when in the process did you really realize that you really had something? Like when did it go from, okay, we, we need to create something until you realized, man, we've got something good here, not only for ourselves, but. How long did that take from idea to to good enough to where you would show it to somebody
6: else? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, I, I I would say that um, that we discovered that pretty early on already. Like um, when we, really? when well, as Niall said when he when they did a market study and couldn't really find anything, and we then developed the system. I don't know, Niall, When 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 did we really discover that we, we thought this is this is really something, a gap yeah. in the market?
7: I think, actually, as we were starting to onboard more and more uh, of our team members, and they were bringing their experiences in other companies and what uh, they've yeah. and ha- how they've worked in the past, and they saw what we had. I think that was probably the the kind of light bulb moment uh, uh, that we said, look apart from we, we knew it was great but uh when other people are coming in and they were kind of validating the fact that we, sure, did, we yeah. knew we had something really good um we're like kai mentioned we're probably two two and a half years kind of serious about commercializing it but i would say five years previous to that we were probably even talking about you know should we look to commercialize it but uh things don't happen overnight and uh we, we we've Day yep. jobs, which kind of took us away from. Uh, oh sure, that, yeah. that, that, that side of it.
6: Yeah, and, and an important point to make though as well is that it's fully separate company, so it's it's not a Murphy Geospatial mm-hmm. product, but um, it's yeah, we're we're really trying to to bring bring it to, to different markets as a as a separate yeah. surveying specific. Yep or serving sector specific. And
2: yeah. is it only u- useful in the survey market or could you expand it into maybe some engineering kind of consulting or?
6: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like the, the, the system is, um, is really suited for um, service-based and project-based um, companies that have like a field and, and office components. Oh. How, how Surveying oh, companies. Speaking in general, my language. But <laughs> it really, it really is uh, like we're, we're focusing at the moment on surveying because that's where it's coming from and it fits like the glove for for surveying companies. But uh, it's definitely not limited to that. And we're, we're hoping and in the future we're also opening it up. already now, if there if there are interested companies, we're not saying no. We can't right. have this. Yeah. Or anything. So is it like and this? Is probably a really stupid question, but is it
1: like a, a a project management type program, or is it more of a, a business management type program?
6: Yeah. So it's it's a business management type program. So mm-hmm. the whole the whole inquiry to invoice um, process that that, that it runs through the company is mm-hmm. you can do you can do with it. So um, that means the whole proposal um, putting together proposals. Um, Managing your scopes you have on it, and the scheduling crews, timesheets, mm. um, like, but also vacation management of, of your staff. So it's really it's really bringing the, all those those functionalities together, and it's very much an operations and sales um, based product. We integrate with accounting software, so we're mm. not we're not mm. like some other other products that might be out there that come from the finance side of things, and then they. Add on the task. Mm-hmm. Very much, um, you focus on getting the the business processes done and integrate with finance so that all that that side is covered. I,
7: I oh man, wheels are spinning. <laughs> <laughs> so interested. Yeah, just to make a point on that because I think it's, a, it's, an, it's an important thing to point out. Traditionally, when companies look at this type of thing, it's generally finance that are the the people that are tasked with go find the system, and mostly. Uh, they'll they'll come at it from a financial perspective um and there's good reasons for that but the important thing to understand with this is that it's this is something that will absolutely drive your operations and yeah the way that we look at it is that the the, the finance is only a, an output of some very good operations so sure. if you if you get something very efficient to run your business the financial bit should look after itself after that so i think just a, com- yeah.
2: a common theme on this show is how terrible business people surveyors are, <laughs> and I'm guessing that this is a tool that can really help them.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, l- well, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call surveys terrible business people, <laughs> but it's, it's not, it's not what they've, what they've learned. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's understandable um, that that they might struggle, which is why it's important to have a product that makes it easier for them yep. to to manage it and just just help them with it. Yeah.
1: So, what are some of the unique challenges um, that uh, you know running a survey company presents that you feel the software addresses?
7: Yeah, I think there's quite a few. Um so not in any particular order but what jumps to my mind initially would be on the scheduling of mm-hmm. survey teams mm. yeah. you know surveying is like i've touched on a little bit already it, it's very uh, reactive you know we're always jumping yeah. to the demands of our customers and uh, tight deadlines and you're always trying to look about getting that schedule full for the next number of weeks and having having a schedule that's very dynamic and you can change kind of with that phone call on a, a Friday about that project not starting on Monday. Uh, Compass is very dynamic that way. It's got drag and drop functionality. <laughs> so it's very, very quick and intuitive to do that. A, a lot of the systems I looked at, they tended to be kind of driven off like Microsoft project kind of longer timelines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they, it, they didn't really, they weren't as, as, as flexible. Um, also, I would say the, um, the mapping feature of, of Compass is built off a of GIS. And of course it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah You really got to have a good mapping portion. <laughs> and, and having a, you know the repository of your past projects is a is a real benefit uh, from even from a selling side. Uh, you know, we always find that when our customers contact us and we can say, well, actually we worked on a job adjacent to that project, or we've got control in the area. It creates a great connection between my company and what the what that client is looking for okay Um, yeah yeah so you can probably add 10 things to that but they were the things that came (laughs) to mind
6: yeah no i I would have highlighted the schedule as well because i i I used to be an operations manager and i Mm -hmm. I really struggled with having to to deal with those short notice requests and um it it was a major component that we put a focus on on making that easy to schedule people Mm -hmm. and change the schedule and
2: Adapt it, yeah. Uh, Now, talk a little bit about Murphy, Murphy Geospatial, and what are you guys doing?
7: Okay, yeah. Uh, So, maybe a small bit about the history. We're we're, we're 40 years in business next year. Oh wow! Yeah, congratulations! Thanks very much. So, the the company was founded back in 1983 uh, by my father, Peter Murphy. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 1995, he was only 48 years Ooh, of age, wow. oh,
2: man. and
7: the closer I get to that, uh, I realize how young he actually was. Wow. Yeah, so I, I, at that time, uh, the company was really really small, there was only three or four people working in the business, and he left behind um, um, my mother, and uh, was obviously then five kids, and me being one of them, and she had a decision to make as to whether to keep the business going or to fold. and. Thankfully, she's an amazing woman and uh, kept kept things afloat. Uh, three months after that time, actually, those three people that worked in the business left mm. and set up as competition. Wow. So wow! She had an awful lot against her, and we were we were all young enough. I was only fifteen myself at that time, and my brothers were kind of you know eighteen, nineteen years of age. So we were kind of finishing school and deciding what we were going to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I suppose it's it's grown since then. And uh, I think we probably got a resilience from early early days and mm-hmm. a love for for serving that our father instilled in us, yeah. and uh, we've kind of grown from strength to strength and up to mm-hmm. up to the size that I've mentioned already today. Wow!
1: Yeah. So, any of your other siblings work for the business or no?
7: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they do. So, uh, my my three brothers are oh, okay. also involved. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, I think that's quite unusual as well that we haven't killed each other. But oh, absolutely! Yeah. I was going
1: to say, I'm, I'm thinking Peaky Blinders. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I won't lie. Uh, a lot of times, you know, the old arguments that would have been settled, uh, maybe out on the lawn at home, yeah, uh, you know, comes to mind. Or who's fighting over the remote? Things that happened to when you were small you know, still happen. Still happens, you know, <laughs> right? But no, I, I we, we, we 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 make it work. Uh, We've, we, we all have different strengths, and uh, we, we tend to try and have roles that we mm-hmm. feel that that, uh, that fits and where we've got a passion for. Um, and I, I think we've managed to separate the personal and family life from the business mm-hmm. end of things f- in a very good way. Yeah. Uh, so we, we don't talk business at the weekends at all. There's none of that around the, yeah. the kitchen table at any stage.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's good. So what's the business model for Compass? Is it a subscription-based is that how that works?
6: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is it based on the number of employees the company has? Or so it's, Tell us it, what that looks like.
6: Yeah. So it's subscription-based um, per user per month. Okay. Um, and we, we have a minimum of 10 users, we normally say, which is because then it really starts to make sense mm-hmm. for, for companies. And um, yeah, obviously, because it's it, it's all web-based and subscription-based, mm-hmm. uh, new, new developments are immediately flowing to... Um, mm-hmm. to to the customers and uh, yeah it's it's also another another point it's still um, like we're we're working very hard to also improve on on all the features we have already to uh, yeah we just in, introduced like an expense model where per, personal personal expenses can be um, managed through the system and per diems and mm-hmm. all all these things so yeah yeah
1: so does it do payroll too?
6: It doesn't do payroll itself, but um, you you export the the data to directly import it into, into different payroll software, gotcha. Yeah.
1: gotcha, and how do people find out more about it?
6: Yeah, so go go to our website, uh, compass with a K, uh, bms.com, and um, yeah, or um, con- contact me directly. Uh, my, my email address is kai, K-A-I, at compassbms.com uh yeah we're very happy to or, or if you're at dimensions um then then come to the stand at booth number five yep. and we're we're here to to show the, the system
1: awesome awesome um what else i thought i had something else i can't
2: think of it oh i've got all kinds of great questions uh one thing we've been asking everybody is and i'll ask you you know you can, you can both both answer uh what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given
7: um I think what comes to mind for me is uh, be humble mm. love that one yeah. love it
6: love it how about you Kai? um i I would say that the be honest um, was the best advice that i I got got really um, given and lived by really.
1: Yep. Um, I know what I was going to ask you guys. So how much work goes into the software, like if you're developing it for, you know, North America or if you're developing it for Germany or for Ireland, how much work goes into, you know, whatever has to be done to it to make it work in different countries?
7: Yeah, that, that that's a great question. And, and Kai, I'll let you talk about the technical aspect of that. But just to say the the pains that companies experience are the same across world and that's something that has really come to the fore in the last 12 months for mm-hmm. us uh, the, so, so that the core of the system fits very well for the problems that we see um, then there's obviously little nuances that are they're mm-hmm. localized and maybe yeah like Kai comment a bit more yeah. on on that
6: yeah, yeah from from the technical side um, it's you can set up your currencies and you can translate all the, the different labels and so on so it you you make it fit to to the different um countries mm. really it's all all set up so that that that's is very easy very easy to do yeah. interesting
2: good stuff yeah anything else you guys want to get out there
7: no i don't think so uh i'm a big fans <laughs> of your your uh, podcast ah, thank, start, you. Start, thank you started to listen there in the, in the last few weeks uh, you, awesome. you make the time go by very fast, so thank fair you. play.
1: Oh, nice. Talk yeah. about humbling. That's, that's <laughs> humbling. <laughs> that's exactly Yeah, <laughs>
6: exactly. yeah thank, thanks for having us on. Um, yeah, it's thank really you
1: good, guys yeah. for taking the time. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's the end of the day. We're all kind of getting a little uh, <laughs> mind <laughs> mind numb or whatever, but uh, it's yeah. been great. Appreciate, yeah. It. Yeah, great, appreciate great it. Great, great conversation. To, uh, yeah, thanks okay. a lot. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. Safe travels. Thank you. Thank you to our 2022 Friends of the Program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, agsgps.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremeaerialproductions.com. Get kids into survey, get kids into survey.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoring mondays. XYZ. Monson Engineering, MonsonEngineering.com, Nettleman LC Prep, LCprep.com, Northstar Surveying, Northstar Prostar Corporation, ProstarCorp.com, SafetyApparel, SafetyApparel.us, Topo Dot new.certainty3d.com, and finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.